glad you chose to spend part of your weekend with us. You know, for the past two months, we've been exploring the beautiful depths of the Lord's Prayer. And today, I'm going to conclude that series as we look at the last line of the Lord's Prayer. But first, I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And so we say, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for teaching us to pray like Jesus over these last few months. We pray now for today that we would have ears to hear what you have for us. And we say, come Holy Spirit, have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm gonna look at the very last line of the Lord's Prayer, which is, for yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever, amen. And that is the line that we're gonna look at. Now, if you opened your Bible right now, if you had your Bible or you looked on your phone, depending on the translation, this might not actually be in your Bible. There might be a little asterisk after, so lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one in your Bible that takes you down to the bottom of a footnote that explains um, that this part of the verse is in some of the manuscripts. Have you ever thought to yourself, why is that? Why do some of the translations have, may, you know, have this last line and other parts of the translations don't have them? Well, there's actually some dispute whether this doxology, which is simply the expression of praise right here, was in the original manuscript that was written by Matthew or if it was later added by a scribe. You might not know this, but before printing presses, the way that the Bible, uh, they made more copies of the Bible was that specifically trained scribes would copy the scriptures onto another piece of paper. And many modern scholars believe that this line that we're gonna study today was actually a later edition that was written by a scribe. That does mean that Jesus probably did not originally say these words. However, this expression is actually a very ancient expression. It was common among the Jews. And so some translators decided to keep it in the text out of tradition because oftentimes at, uh, during this time, Jewish prayers would end much in the same way that our prayers end with some type of statement like, in Jesus' name, amen, okay? Now, interestingly, the language that we find in Matthew 6.13 is actually reminiscent of an Old Testament text from 1 Chronicles. And we're gonna go there and we're gonna look at that text, but let me give you a little bit of background. King David is about to um, pass on the kingship to his son Solomon. He's at the end of his rule and reign. And part of Solomon's role is going to be to build the temple. And what David does in his final kind of act as king is he calls the people together to bring offerings and tithes so that the temple could be built. And when the people do this, he prays this magnificent prayer. And I wanna pick up now, this is 1 Chronicles 29, 10. Listen to the language of King David's prayer. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. I find this so interesting that the similarities between King David's prayer and then the last line of the Lord's prayer, um, they're just, they're striking. 
You know, King David obviously addresses God as his father. And of course, we know that this entire time we've been talking with our father. And then King David goes on to give credit for the power and the glory in the kingdom, all similar language to what we see there in Matthew 6. So this closing line, it could have been an addition that drew on biblical language, making it easier for people to pray this prayer together. It feels right and it feels appropriate given everything that we've learned about the nature of our Father to end with a benediction like this. We are compelled to begin to end where we first began, and that's with praise. You see, true prayer is wrapped in praise. And it's for that reason that we like to include this closing benediction when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever wanted an alternate ending to a situation in your life? Yeah. Most of us have, right? Whether we wish we had a different career or we want to do over with raising our children or with our marriage, maybe our health is an area where we wish things were different. No matter what your circumstances, no matter where you wish things could have been different, here's the good news. Our God is king and he has all the power and authority and glory to actually change and redeem every situation that we face. And so we can actually be reminded of this truth when we pray this part of the Lord's Prayer. We're actually reminding ourselves that our God is a God of power and redemption. So what I'm gonna do today is I'm actually going to shorten my message a little bit. We're gonna work our way through the uh, last line. We're gonna break it down by some of the different words and talk about it. And then we're gonna have some extended worship and ministry today. So with that, let me jump in. Let's start with for yours is. Now, confession time. I don't actually like grammar. Have you ever noticed though that people who like grammar, they're like, oh, I love grammar. Well, good for you, okay? Grammar's hard and it's challenging, right? And, but we need to talk about grammar for a second because for is a conjunction. Now, let me remind you what that means. A conjunction ties two ideas together. And so in this case, the word for means because. We should understand that what has come previously is going to be connected to what is about to be said. Okay, so this is important. So the next part of that is yours is. Now, if you'll notice, that is a possessive word, yours. And we have been talking to our father. So what we are saying in this moment is our father. For our father's is... And what we need to know is that everything is from him and through him and to him. It all belongs to him. Notice that we don't say, for mine is. So often I know it's easy when we get to our prayer times to really make our prayers about ourselves, to really be self-focused and self-centered. But what we've been learning over the last few months is how incredibly good our father is and how he's laid out this beautiful prayer to take us through all of these places in our lives and really bring us freedom. And so when we actually begin the prayer by reminding ourselves that our father is in charge, he is the one who is is ruling and reigning, then we are gonna be in a much better position. Actually, when we begin with for yours is, it's actually a sign of humility. We're saying for yours is. We're reminding ourselves of who our father is, both the source and the sustainer. Okay, the next part, for yours is the kingdom. You know, our God, our father, he is king. 
and he is ruling and reigning over all the world. And this paradigm actually changes the way we live our lives. That word paradigm, it means our perspective our, or our worldview. And oftentimes people don't think too much about paradigms, but the truth is our paradigm, it affects so much of our life. It affects how we understand and see the world. It, undersects, uh, uh, it affects how we behave. It's incredibly important. And we've actually had some really powerful teaching throughout this series on the Lord's Prayer, um, specifically in the area of the kingdom. And I wanna encourage you to go back and, and re-listen to some of those messages. But the key points are this. What we believe is that the kingdom of God has come. When Jesus came, the kingdom came with him. Now, we do not have the fullness of the kingdom. And that's called the already and the not yet. And what that means is that we can pray for healing. We can see hope and healing and breakthrough and injustice made right. But there is a battle. The enemy is defeated, but he is not departed. And so when we pray this part of the Lord's Prayer, when we say, for yours is the kingdom, what we are actually declaring is, Father, you are in charge. It is under your rule and reign that I am aligning my life today. And actually, this part of the prayer should fill us with confidence because this paradigm, it helps us so much as we face pain and problems in our lives. God's in charge. He is the king of heaven and earth. And when we declare this truth, we're simply reminding ourselves, listen, we're in a battle, but we know who has won. So we have every reason to have hope and have confidence. The amazing thing about being a child of God is that he actually partners with us. And so we actually get to give the kingdom away as we listen to him and cooperate with him. We get to be kingdom, uh, kingdom communicators and kingdom prayer people. It's an amazing privilege. But I have to be really honest about some things that are happening in my life right now and how important the kingdom has been for me. Because you see, the kingdom perspective, the kingdom paradigm, it keeps us going in the midst of battles. And I know many of you know that we are going to face many battles in life. Life is not supposed to be easy. But the king has won. And so this perspective, it keeps us grounded. It keeps us firmly rooted when everything around us is screaming that our circumstances are terrible. And so let me just explain some things that have been happening. You know, in the 40 years of life that I've had, I've been incredibly blessed to be super healthy. And I probably took a little too much pride in that. You know, I, the truth is I very rarely had illnesses and I kind of prided myself on just, you know, kind of getting over stuff fast. Well, this year has been incredibly challenging because starting at the new year, I have had issue after issue. And honestly, for the last two months, I've been sick. I had the flu and an ear infection, and then I got another infection, and then I had a reaction to antibiotics that triggered a very serious infection that we've been trying to treat for several weeks. And the truth is, it's still not over. And the truth is, I don't even feel good today. I've lost my sense of time. I've spent more days in bed this year than I have in the last five. It's been painful. And I wanna stand with you today and I wanna say if you're in a battle, if you are struggling, it is painful, it is hard. And I am here with you and I am here contending with you because here's the thing that the kingdom does. When we believe in the kingdom, we know that we can take injustice and sickness and death and things that are not right and we can take them to our Father and say, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. 
and here's the thing, when you're, in a, when you're in a community that actually believes in the kingdom, do you know what happens? People come around you and they say, that's not right. I'm gonna pray for you. And I've had friends this week lay hands on me and family this week lay hands on me and declare God's truth and I've needed to hear it. So I wanna tell you right now, if you're in a battle, this is a kingdom community and we will fight with you. When we say, for yours is the kingdom, what we are saying is, God, your kingdom and your rule and your reign, it is the way. And where we see that the kingdom needs to break through, we will press in and we will ask. That's what kingdom people do. And so when we pray this part of the prayer, it's so important to realign our hearts when we're going through it. When we're going through it. What the kingdom really does is it does three things. It gives us a perspective, it gives us peace, and it gives us perseverance. And if you need any of those three things today, I believe that God is here to give those. You know, what is so tricky is when we're in a battle, we often feel powerless. Well, don't worry, this prayer addresses that because when we get to, for yours is the kingdom and the power. Now, what does power mean? Power means to have the ability to have the capacity to help. And the truth is our father has the authority, he has the right, and he has the character to act on our behalf. Not only is the kingdom's God, but the power is God's too. And I think so often what happens when we're in a battle is we begin to think, is he powerful? Is he? I hope so, because I need some. But he is powerful. I'm gonna take us to 1 Corinthians 4, a really short little verse, but incredibly powerful this is, what it's, this is what it talks about. This is 1 Corinthians 4.20. It says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Now, I'm gonna be the first to admit, God's power is mysterious. It's confusing. It's radical. It's sacrificial. And I think part of the reason the power is so difficult for us to understand is because when we think of power, we think of it in our world context, and we know that people in power, what do they do? They abuse, they control, they manipulate. And you see, that's not the type of power that God has. His power is radical. It's sacrificial. It's a power where he laid down his life so that we could be free. And so we actually need eyes to see his power. We need hearts to believe his power. And he doesn't operate the way the world operates. What he actually wants to do is he wants to bring true freedom. And so his power might look different, but we shouldn't see that as weakness. We should see that as rightness. For his is the power. And and I have to address this just for a moment because the other thing we try to do in this section is we try to do things in our own power. And let me tell you, I've tried for two months and it's it's not going so well. We have very limited power. And so when we say, for yours is the kingdom and yours is the power, what we are saying is, God, you've got me and I can trust you. All these things I've already prayed, yours is the power. I'm gonna cooperate. Now, do we have to cooperate? That's a whole nother message. I won't go there, but we have to cooperate. Okay, and then the last line of the Lord's Prayer right there. And the glory forever, amen. You know, what does the word glory mean? You know, it means to worship. It means to praise. It means to adore. Some places in the Bible, it actually means like a weight. And I think there is a a weight of our Father that needs to be worshiped. You see, all the glory is 
his. We were actually created to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so when we say these words, that the glory is his, what we are doing is we're actually really coming back to that praise that we started with. Throughout history, the church has tried to define, why are we here? What's the purpose of man? And they've wrestled with this, and very smart people have gathered together to try to wrestle with, like, what are we here for? What, what really is man's purpose. And one example of this was actually the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which was written all the way back in 1646 and 1647. And they wrestled with this question, what is the chief end of man? Or in other words, what is the purpose of man? And they came up with an answer, and this is what they said. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I loved that that we have a twofold purpose. First, to glorify God, to worship him, not just with song, but with life. That we would worship him body, soul, and spirit, heart, and mind. That we would worship him with every fiber of our being because he alone is worthy of praise and honor. I'm gonna take us to Psalms. This is Psalms 115, uh, verse one. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. And then the second part of our purpose, to enjoy him forever. To, it, it, see, even this last line, to yours is the glory forever. It is today and tomorrow and forever. And we are to enjoy him forever. I actually love what Psalm um, 16 tells us here. This is Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You see, this is how God created us. And isn't that amazing? Doesn't it just sound good? Like you're like, yes, Lord, I've been created to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is we put glory in things that are not God. And that's called idolatry. That's when we place anything above God that can only be found in God. And the truth is idolatry is way more common and way more modern than we might realize. People worship many things, whether that is beauty or power or money or peace or food or comfort or electronics or control. People worship these things. They glorify these things and we need to stop. So when we identify an idol in our life, and let me just give you a little tip, identifying an idol is easy because if you don't have it or it's not available, you're miserable. And so when you identify an idol, what do you do? You repent. You turn around. You change your mind. And you go back to worshiping the one you were created to worship in the first place. One other area of struggle when it comes to glory is that I've talked about how we get to partner with God. An amazing privilege. But sometimes what can happen is that glory comes towards us. And what we need to do when we partner with God and people try to put glory towards us, we need to put little reflectors up so that glory goes right up to God. Because it's not about what I can do. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he can do. All of the glory forever belongs to him. Praying this part of the Lord's Prayer reminds us that all the glory is his forever. And then we end with that little word, amen. Now that doesn't mean like, bye. See you later. Good God. Do you know what amen means? It means yes, truly. Let it be so. 
And so you are going to end your prayer with your father by saying, let it be so. All that I've prayed, God, let it be so. You know, I think we're in a really unique season right now. I know that the spirit is moving. I know many of you have been inspired as you've watched the revival at Asbury University unfold. I know many of you are inspired by the Jesus Revolution movie that's come out. I know that we have MLMP this week and I can feel the spirit moving in our midst and I want him to do it again. I want him to do it again in our time, in our day, in our city, in our community, because I believe that this is God's heart for us. And so what we are gonna do is we are actually going to worship and glorify the King of Kings and we're gonna see what he wants to do today. And so if you are able, I'd like you to stand. And one last time, what I would like to do is I'd like to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And I want you to feel this in the depths of your heart. This is your Father who you are speaking to you. And he wants to meet you right now in this moment as we worship and glorify him. But first, let's pray this prayer one last time. This is the end of us studying it together, but it's just the beginning of your journey using the Lord's Prayer. We pray that as you pray this on your own, your prayers would be deeper and richer and sweeter. And so let's pray this prayer one more time together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.